Welcome, my name is Stephen Bowles, and you're listening to the Production Channel, uh, where we bring the very best of the production industry, whether that's uh, interviews with lead production and staging management uh, producers and stage callers, or uh, audio, video, media servers, or really just down and dirty uh, vendors and how they're kind of loading in the gear, getting everything going. Uh, At the end of the day, we're trying to bring the production industry uh, to the industry. And so I'm joined today with uh, Clem Harrod. Clem is a good friend of mine. Hey, and, <laughs> hey Clem. Someone we've been working with, um, that I've been working with over the last couple of weeks and months uh, on what is the production channel. And so, Clem, what is it? In your head, what is the production channel? Uh, well, you know, the production channel for me is just like sitting backstage. You know, we got that downtime. We're talking about things in life. We're talking about the industry. We're just talking about the nature of what we do, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, the next show that we're on or this cool little piece of equipment that just came in or talking about our kids or talking about that uh, cool restaurant that we went to or lounge that we went to, a bar or whatever, you know, uh, techs love their dive bars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so all that, all that, you know, the production channel. When Clem and I were talking about it, there's just not... Um there's not a place that we all go to to get this information. You know, we go to Facebook and we look at the best photos or sort of shots that we took, you know, backstage of uh, a really cool gig we worked on. Um, or we, you know, just sort of directly talk to each other backstage, but we're only seeing each other maybe once every couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, or even months, sometimes even years. And right. so uh, just having a place uh, where you can uh, sort of channel that conversation. And so production channel, just like you think, you've got, uh, you know, your calm, and this is just the place where the chatter happens chatter. across. Chatter. <laughs> uh, the chatter happens across a lot of different d- disciplines, uh, but all sort of, um, centralized and around production, right? We're not going to sit here and talk about, uh, you know, food blogs or something like that. No, We're going to no, talk no. about what's relevant to our industry and things that matter. And when we talked about what are we going to do on episode zero, um, we, you know, sort of went back and forth and I just said, we got to do, uh, Clem, we got to get you, you are not only someone who, uh, has really traversed different verticals inside of this industry from, uh, really sort of a sports uh, camera to uh, lead projectionist, but also you've seen the range, everything from small load-ins uh, and breakout rooms to really massive technology and IBM events that have, you know, 15, 25, 30,000 people in the room. So uh, I think you've seen the industry. You also have the pulse um, of the industry. You really speak well about it. Um, and I then, love it. You know, I, just, I love it. <laughs> you do. And then just knowing you and your family uh, and that sort of balance, I think that that's, it's, it's, it's right. So anywho, we're going to dive right in uh, with you, Clem, today. So uh, with that, give us any bit of an idea like how in the world did you even find (laughs) this crazy industry industry. that we call production yeah well i I had somewhat of an eye um for art um instilled in me from my mom she is she was a still photographer or excuse me she is a still photographer and just loving the arts overall dancing music uh, all of that so that Mm -hmm. for me what we do in this industry is an art form I look at what I do as a projectionist as an artist. So uh, that is my foundation. You know, I understand my foundation. And from there, I took a lot of television production classes in middle school. Then in high school, I went to a special high school where I studied television production for two of my six classes each year. 
And so understanding, and I was bused you know, to a specific school and then I was able to go to Florida State from there. And at Florida State, I applied for the film school but didn't get in, which, mm-hmm. is, which is perfect because I thought I wanted to be a film editor. Right. I can't, I'm not the type of person to be in a box like that. You know, I gotta, right. I gotta flow, I gotta get out, I gotta feel things, I gotta be a part of, I, like you said, the pulse. I gotta feel the pulse of everything, not just my task, I wanna feel everything. You so. would never have done well as a video <laughs> editor. You're in a box, in a cave, locked in there till like two or three in the morning. Right. Which right. is really no different than what you're doing now, but you're at least, you're around in a massive other arena <laughs> and around other people. But working till two or three in the morning, that's Chatting on change. the production channel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at Florida State, I learned how to shoot sports and I learned how to anticipate an athlete's movement and, and embrace the whole production aspect of it. Um, you know, I was helping to, I was a part of, uh, as a camera operator for Florida State football, but then from there, I was a producer and a director for uh, basketball, arena football, uh, ice hockey. All of this was in Tallahassee. So I learned how to so many levels of the production industry. And so um, I applied for an internship uh, my senior year to everywhere, (laughs) every sports (laughs) team, network, Mm -hmm. broadcast, wherever, just looking for my way. And uh, Rick Price brought me to Orlando. Mm -hmm. Um, So I interned for the Orlando Magic in 0102. And uh, what a great experience, because once again, I thought I wanted to be an editor. <laughs> right, right. And Rick Price was like, no, with your experience, you're going out in the field with me. You're doing the uh, electronic field production. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'll, I'll embrace it. I love it. And mm. so uh, September 17th of 01 is when I started my internship with the Magic. And then in February of 02 is when I had my first uh, gig with LMG. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first gig, uh, Steve Ulmer actually brought me in. He uh, recommended me and made those c- connections for me. And I started right in with a uh, Ernst & Young loadout. So you went from, so that's fun. So you, so you basically, uh, like I think a lot of people did, I as well started uh, doing TV production in high school. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of just kind of running that out. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, there's no way I'm going to be a banker. You know, so you just kind of kept pursuing that but uh like often you know people don't exactly know how tv production is directly going to translate into the real world right so how do you actually move that and so you got you put both a line in on sports uh with rick price with the orlando magic which is awesome i want to hear more about that in a second but then you also put uh a line in with uh, just traditional kind of freelance corporate Mm -hmm. events because lmg is a rental and staging house based out of orlando but nationwide Mm -hmm. uh and so you started at Lodens, which is uh, a very common thing that's awesome so so then i guess just tell tell us how that went you're both building up your sports career and you're building up your um, sort of freelance corporate event uh, projectionist career. Yes. How, how did you do those together at the same time? Well, well what I didn't mention uh, was I was also doing news at the same time. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because, you know, you when you're first starting off, you've got to, you have to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have money in your pocket and you're just trying to find your way. You don't know how this industry works. So yeah. you're just trying to figure out, you're, fig- you're figuring out your way, your niche. And figuring out a place for you to fit in. And so, you know, the news was just a uh, temporary thing. I knew that wasn't my heart's desire. That's not where I wanted to be, but I had to do what I had to do to get where I wanted to go. And so I'm running these, if you, at, at one point it was three things, three you know, businesses or three parts of me were, were running parallel. 
one was going a little faster than the other, and as one as one started to take off a little more, then I would uh, I let go of the news. So the news was the first to go, mm. and then so now I have sports, which I was doing the Magic, doing the Rays. I was doing uh, Orlando Sentinel varsity sports, high school shoots. I was doing every single thing just to continue to get my foot and my my name and and. Uh, known, but also building up my skill set. So that's the same thing was going on the corporate side. So I'm doing load ins, load outs, breakout rooms, a um, little bit of camera utility or cable page, as it's called. Uh, barely doing some camera work when it's like the whole time I'm like, I know camera, I can do camera, right. but that's just weren't those weren't the jobs that I was being offered. Well, and there's a big difference between camera work and. Uh, you know, sports versus camera work in corporate. Uh, not necessarily just in the gear, but uh, one mindset. Mindset. Yeah. One is you know, and not to limit or ever over uh, sort of box in what uh, corporate events you know uh, camera operators do because they're essential. I mean, my background's live video director, so I built significant relationships with a whole bunch of freelance uh, camera ops and couldn't do it without them. Yeah. But one is way more active than the other. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, you know, you would be underneath the hoop at a magic game, mm-hmm. um, you know, feet away from these <laughs> professional athletes, which is just getting that run right over there. by these professional yeah, yeah, athletes. Yeah, exactly. Getting run over for them. That's right. Um, so it's just a little different than, you know, a CEO on the stage. But yes. All right. So then, you know, recently um, you really let uh, and have kind of moved entirely towards projection. Yes. So tell me about that. How did that? Why now? Uh, and really, how specifically have you moved from doing just a load in every once in a while to make another extra couple of bucks to mm-hmm. a career as a professional freelance projectionist? Right. So uh, there was a need. Basically, mm-hmm. there was a need. And I would get phone calls and emails. Hey, are you available these dates? And I look at my calendar and I say, yes, you know, I would either be wide open or I would have to move a couple of things around. But, hey, the money was good. The opportunity was there. You say yes to the job. You take the job. And then, okay, cool. You're going to be a projectionist. So you you heard that pause? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You heard that pause. pause. That's exactly what was going on in my mind. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, you you take the opportunity. You figure it out because that's that's what you do to pay the bills. That's what you do to to work your way in. And uh, fortunately, I had uh, some people that were willing to show me a couple of tricks here and there. But I was never – I never had the understanding from the beginning of what it took. And so – you know, I'm taking these gigs and year by year, gig by gig, I'm picking up skills and understanding, oh, okay, so this is what you do. This is how you manipulate the projector in order to get this result, you know, and, and understanding, oh, okay, so yeah, I do see a little green in that image when I'm color balancing. Mm-hmm. So in order to get rid of that green, okay, I'll back this out or I'll add a little of this or a little bit of mm-hmm. that. And so just the having the right teachers uh, over the years to give me tips here and there, I've compiled them to work my way up in the industry from just doing breakouts to doing little um, mini general sessions or then glorified breakout rooms, you know, all these little mm-hmm. things that have led me up to a uh, to learn how to blend and be a widescreen projectionist. And then when warping came around and... Um, and the curved screens is like that's when the that real for me that real passion started to uh, 
to to develop for the industry and realize that I'm a professional, I'm an artist at the same time because I can enjoy being around everybody else with the, when we're building the project. But then when it comes to the warping aspect, that's when you know you'll see me on show site. I'll set up my little workstation. I'll set up my candle. I'll put on my you know you know my little comfy pants, whatever. <laughs> but that's where for me that's like sitting in that edit booth. You know, that, that all those times where I wanted to be an editor and be to myself in certain aspects, when I'm warping, I can be to myself. I'll get in my music, I'll shut out the outside world, and I'll focus on that screen and that detail. So that's that's uh, that's interesting. Let's dive into specifically like the technical craft mm -hmm, of projection mm -hmm. and just to kind of uh, sort of paint a wide stroke on it. Um, you know, when you go to the a large corporate event, anything like that, you know, it's common now to see a super wide screen on some level, which is uh, really made up of a series of projectors left to right, all yes. sort of blended together. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Clem, you know, as a freelance projectionist, that's what he's doing. He's coming in early, he's loading in, um, sort of a, working with rigging, setting up those projectors uh, and stuff. So, tell me, you know, because you, like you just said, you moved from load-ins to now sort of uh, really front-of-the-line projection where mm -hmm. uh, you're dealing with curved screens, etc. You know, you learn from uh, event to event to event, but it's often hard to break out of what people's expectations of you are. So tell me about that. Like when you, when curved screens came around, mm -hmm. uh, did you intentionally take that on as a technology or a particular like niche of production that you wanted to own and be on the front lines of? And then did that produce for you more of a demand just because now they knew, Clem knew this, uh, knew how to pull this off? Yeah, well, it, it, it all started with a, uh, a great teacher of mine, you know, my Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you will, mm -hmm. <laughs> Phil Lacari. And he and I were working oh, Philly. on a, oh, oh Philly. Philly. That's my man <laughs> all day. <laughs> and so we're working on a show in, uh, in Vegas, of course, in Vegas, um, large curved screen uh, for Chipotle. I'll never forget it. And so we're working there overnight and uh, his computer crashed and he's a PC guy. And I'm a Mac guy, and so I'm just over his shoulder watching him, understanding what's going on, and just kind of picking up things, asking questions, but not too many questions, because you know people are in their mind, in their workspace. And so uh, once his computer crashed, I was like, well, you can use mine. I have Barco tool set on here. And it was, it was that learning curve, that Mac PC learning curve that just was a little frustrating at times. And so he gave me the opportunity to get in there for a bit, and I just, took it on, I embraced it, but it was just that change of a mindset of seeing the potential, understanding potential, but uh, realizing that you can grow from here. There is a way that you can take this skill set because you have an understanding of the manipulation of the light, because that's what projects what we're doing with projection and warping. Um, you, have, you have an understanding of the manipulation of light and the fine details to uh, do things that and see things that other people don't so then um, because my wife is an entrepreneur as well a very successful entrepreneur then it's a matter of okay now how do you monetize this how do you make your living off of what your gifts are and that's where I am now just trying to understand that uh, you know you I have a skill set that is uh, appreciated and valued at this time in the industry and just going from there 
Take me through a recent event, right? Like one of the more recent, I think you just did one earlier this year uh, with IBM uh, and with Drew Design Dynamics. They're a great company, great production company. They do massive events and IBM's yeah. uh, really been on the front lines of um, really doing media servers and, and just sort of projection mapping uh, really on larger canvases. Um, mm-hmm. But take us through really, you know, how you engage an event uh, weeks out or days out, and then certainly do it during uh, an actual load-in. Once you're in show, kind of what uh, areas of responsibilities? How do you how do you sort of take a, a show on uh, when people are up on the stage? What are you doing? And then as far as loadout and sort of post-event review, kind of take me through your life cycle of an event, a large-scale event. Okay. Okay. So um, after I get uh, requested to be on a show or asked uh, if I'm available, my availability, I then ask the show, the name of the show, the AE, the production company, and the venue, um, because the, all these factors are important. Understanding, okay, where am I traveling to? Uh, which venue am I going to be working in so I can rem- you know, ha- kind of go back to my memory banks. Okay, yep, I remember that ballroom. Understanding who the AE is so I can just have that direct contact for the questions that I have to get to the, tech, um, tech, the TD or whomever. Um, and then who's a client? Okay, yep, yep, I'm familiar, Drury. Okay, cool. So then um, it's a matter of understanding, okay, so Craig, I'm, I'm gonna deal with Craig uh, um, you're as my AE, Drury Design, and then getting all of the necessary documents as far as the quotes, um, the drawings, and uh, the schedule, the production schedule is definitely important so that you have an understanding of the expectations of what, ne- what needs to be done by when. Um, and then once, it, once I travel to the venue, getting there and understanding the, the load in, which trucks are coming in, where's our gear? Now, okay, I know how many projectors I'm gonna have. Now it's a matter of separating them, figuring out where, which lenses match up, which, which projectors and what, what combination match up to which screen. Then getting with rigging, getting with lighting, getting with the, the necessary departments so that we can then work together to, uh, you know, understand the overall expectations and when you need to, when you need your time, and when I need my time. Um, then I'm also building the relationship with the people who are going to be helping me, with whether it be other projectionists or stagehands, um, and that I might be sharing with the video department as as a whole. So okay, understanding that okay, let me knock out what I need to do, and then we'll trade off stagehands throughout the day. Uh, getting those projectors rigged up to the truss or if they're on scaffolding in the back, uh, building that scaff, marking our territory, and just, you know, it's like Lego pieces. That's, a, that's why I, how I always equate it to, just taking those Lego pieces in a box, dumping them into a ballroom, separating those Lego pieces, which are the cases and the equipment by departments, and then now we're coming over here in this little corner and we're going to start building our little piece to the set. And then the other partners are building their piece. And then all of our pieces come together. Now we've got this beautiful little uh, erector set of, uh, of a display for all to enjoy. And so um, once, I, uh, once, <clears throat> once the projectors are rigged, screens are up, and, you know, I'm, I'm networking and checking my signal path and making sure my power is good. Uh, got my my projectors converged for the you know how many ever number of screens that I'm dealing with. Uh, then we go through and color balance, making sure that 
the whites are true white, the blacks are true blacks, and it looks good. The client's happy. Once client's happy, we get into rehearsals, then uh, I'm either managing my position as the projectionist only and making sure that everything is continuing to flow properly and nothing's overheating. Everybody's happy, the pro- <laughs> including the projectors. The projectors are happy. <laughs> <laughs> don't want them blowing up don't, on you. <laughs> don't want them blowing up on me because if they blow up on me, then the client's blowing up on me and then that's just not good overall. <laughs> and then you're not coming back next year. <laughs> and then I'm not coming back next year. <laughs> or, you know, I might be running up. Uh, playback or running um, I might be running playback and and or records and Mm -hmm. that's my end show duties and then at the end of the show matter of in uh, based on department order and who's coming down first waiting for your you know pulling out your cases and waiting for your projectors to come down and tear them apart. If I'm dealing with the screen, tear that apart, throw it in the case and pack it up, send it off back to the warehouse for QC to come right back out to for its next show. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, that dual role that is often um, expected of a projectionist, right? So maybe not in the largest shows because they might put a body into playback or record mm-hmm. uh, so that you can just focus on projection. Right. Um, but certainly on those sort of uh, small to medium, if not medium large events, the general expectation from at least the, uh, the sort of uh, corporate event production side is that you will uh, do another role during show, uh, but load in projection during load in. Um, so how much of that was like a curve? You know, you came in thinking you're just loading in gear. <laughs> then, you're, then you're having to figure out what these playback devices are. Right. Or then you're having to learn the nuances of a key pro record or whatever. Talk, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it was difficult, especially with, uh, you know, starting off with beta decks. And, and then, okay, then we would have this Excel sheet that would basically, yeah. uh, you plug in the time where the video started maybe the duration and then it would calculate yep. your your countdown cues uh, <laughs> and then they had like the turbos or this uh qubit I, I remember the, using this qubit system where i felt like a computer programmer getting in there and typing out certain right. codes in order to edit the video you talk about a learning curve oh my gosh it's that like, was just I, silly <laughs> it was it, it was troublesome at times right right <laughs> um especially when you're not using this every day you know you're being exposed to this piece of equipment on a gig sometimes for the first time um and then you won't see it again for almost a year or so or you know or sometimes you would see it all the time but that would make it difficult but when um a product like uh, playback pro came along you know that's what kind of what made me switch over to a mac because Playback Pro was Mac-based, but it allowed me to see how easy a Mac uh, worked, and I enjoyed it. And then it's just like, it's just, once again, playing on the computer, you know? Then it, it, it felt more natural, it felt easier. But it's it can be difficult at times to have that uh, mindset of a projectionist, but then realize that, oh, hey, we also need to, we need you to do playback. So this happens on shows often. I'm in projection mind, loading in, um, managing, you know, my team and and working our goals throughout the day to get to that end result. And then I'll have a stage manager or an ASM come up to me, hey, I've got some videos for you. Um, when, will you be able, when, will, when will we be able to see them? And I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in projection mind right now. I, I mean, I don't, 
tomorrow, <laughs> you know. Um, but those are some of the uh, responsibilities that come along with uh, running those dual roles. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, actually, in the sports uh, and also in touring, right, concert touring, mm-hmm. often the person who's a rigger, right, I went on tour with Maroon Fiverr Train um, for a series of dates uh, just directing cameras for them. And my camera operators uh, during the night, during the show, were actually the riggers during the day. So oh, that's, wow. that's a common thing that we see in the production industry. Um, whether it's the best way to do it, I don't know, but uh, it is it is a common thing. Um, well, let's turn now towards just sort of that work-life balance, because again, you've been doing this across different uh, genres of the production industry, sports, uh, broadcast, and then corporate. Corporate naturally has a very, um, freelance travel heavy uh, sort of nature and mm-hmm. culture about it mm-hmm. um, which can put a stress on family and I, I you know you and I are actually going to do uh, a deeper dive into just work-life balance in another episode but pass us through on that like how have you found that rhythm uh, with with your family and work well you, you know it took for me to fail miserably in order for me to realize that there was an imbalance in my mind I'm constantly thinking about that that job and the next job and and bringing home that money for the month and uh, and just almost a narrow-minded approach to what was going on um, and not thinking about my family unit as a whole and that my job is just a means to support my my family unit and so um, it became difficult when I when my wife was the one who was constantly you know on me about look you're you're gone too much you know working 20 days a month then I eventually narrowed it down to 15 and uh, now I'm trying to narrow it down to to 10 but it was just that you know missing out on all those games or those milestones at home or just the overwhelm that my wife was feeling, you know, as uh, uh, somebody who works and an entrepreneur and and doing her thing and just like missing out on the kids in general. You know, I don't want my in-laws raising my kids. I want to mm-hmm. raise them. You know, I want to be in their lives. And so it was just a matter of understanding that, uh, you know, my, my like I said, my, my work is to support my family. And when I was, when I was coming home, and it felt uncomfortable and it felt more comfortable to be gone on the road that's when i realized there was a problem that yeah. is not that's not the work life balance and um i was listening to another podcast and he took the approach of it's not necessarily a work life balance but a work life integration you know how can the mm. two work together and understanding that i don't have to carry the weight all by myself um, but then on the other side, because, you know, yes, my wife works as well, but there are some people out there who they're the sole provider for the family, right? But mm-hmm. when, the, when I'm talking about carrying the weight by myself, well, my spouse shouldn't have to carry the weight of running the household by herself either mm-hmm. or, or himself, you know, whatever your situation is. But um, it's a matter of understanding, okay, when I'm gone, I need to stay connected to home. I have to stay connected to home and think about what are the things that I can do um, while I'm gone to be connected, whether it's setting up that schedule for my son to live by, to make sure that he's helping 
with getting himself ready so that then my wife doesn't necessarily have to stay on top of him every morning about do this, do that, or um, emailing a teacher to set up a meeting, or if my son is taking private batting lessons, staying in contact with the coach via text message. You know, there's so many little things that we can do. And, you know, each person needs to think about their own situation, their, their own schedule, but there are things that you can do to maintain that balance of your life of your family life while you're gone and even if you don't have a family you have friends or you have things in your city that you want to do it's a matter of just keeping up with those things looking at the schedule of concerts that you might want to attend or texting your friends in a group uh you know a little group me um text messaging group and say hey i'll be back in town this day let's make sure we get up you know just planning out your life so that your work and the road life doesn't become your life it's true. I mean, hey, I, uh, you know, I always say I took a couple month hiatus from gigging mm-hmm. and met my wife and we got married. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like the fact is that uh, if all you do is the work, then you will miss out. There's there's things that are going to get sacrificed on. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, we're going to jump into that. Um, another episode. Yeah, that's going to be a good episode. That's going to be good. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's take just another minute here. I want to hear about Projection 101. What in the world uh, is it? I've heard rumors. You've mentioned it to me. I've heard <laughs> other people kind of like uh, you've been hearing about it. I've seen the hashtags in your Instagram. So just give us a taste of what Projection 101 is in your mind. Yeah. So, you know, Projection 101 for me is it's not just a course. It's not just a class that I'll be taking, but it's a lifestyle. So understanding what it took for me to get into this industry and understanding how where the demand was they need a projectionist okay i'll take on that role but i didn't know how to do it so projection 101 is a course that i've developed to help people to um, who are stagehands or just uh beginning projectionists um, maybe a, a projection assist who wants to become a projectionist, full-time projectionist, setting up those th- that structure for them to understand what it takes to be a projectionist and understanding that step-by-step process of, you know, first from being put on a show onto a show for the entire load-in, or excuse me, before that, from the entire pre-production process to the load-in to striking. You know, there are steps that you can take to help you to easily uh, transition from that position that you're in to the position that you want to be. Now, when I say that Projection 101 is a lifestyle as well, it's also a matter of seeing yourself in one place in your life and seeing where you want to be and understanding that you can be an architect of your own life and and plan out the steps to get to where you want to be. But, uh, you know, that's a whole nother course. Um, but, for the, <laughs> but, even, but if you are, are a, you know, a projectionist as well and you want to move beyond that basic level or you are doing certain skills and you feel that you are into the blends and stuff like that, but you want to sharpen your skills in other avenues, you know, there's also <clears throat> individual uh, coaching that I'll be offering as well to help people to, uh, like I said, to sharpen their skills, to become a master of their craft and not just be stuck in one, one level. You know, it's a, it's a, we are skilled individuals. We have a, a niche where, that we can grow in and be prosperous for not only for ourselves, but for our families. 
And that's kind of what Projection 101 is all about. That's awesome. I, th- I think the thing I love about it most is that it's all about um, sharing uh, information, helping mm-hmm. other people grow and learn. I think this industry is built on virality. You know, mm-hmm. the only way you even get uh, a call from a random gig that you'd never worked before is because somebody suggested you. You know, right. somebody right. spoke out for you and said, "Yeah, Clem's got Clem. Clem can do widescreen projection. You know, give him a call; he'll take good care of you." Uh, and so, um, making sure that we are intentional about that, both in hooking people up with gigs, but also making sure that people are learning, they're growing in their craft. Uh, it's it's not very clear what the upward ladder looks like in mm-hmm. our industry because um, technology is ever changing. Well, yeah, because we're not all in the same corporation that has the same title hierarchy or anything like that. And so, being able to uh, just poor knowledge uh, and skill mm-hmm. and trade craft into people uh, in an organized way, which is what you're really talking about right. is. That's awesome. All right. Well, we got to wrap. This has been uh, Yeah, there's a lot of blast. chatter on this production channel right now. <laughs> there's a lot of chatter. <laughs> this has been good. We, uh, you know, this is our first one. We're going to keep bringing you guys, uh, you know, some, some just people from the industry. Again, we're going to cover it all. We're going to go between stage production. We're going to go with pre-production. We're going to go into the... Uh, you know the media, the post, the whole the whole sort of gamut. Uh, we'll take you through sports and broadcast, uh, through news and back. So, um, but just know that this is what we're here for. We are the production channel, and so whether or not you're traveling uh, from gig to gig and you need something to listen to on the plane or while you're in the terminal. This is what we got. This is a place to come to. If you're backstage and you've got a boring CEO on the stage and he's been just kind of chattering forever and it's, you're going to either watch Netflix or cruise Facebook, uh, please come to the production channel. Uh, sharpen give your us skills. awesome content. Sharpen your skills. Learn a thing. Learn something about what another uh, person is doing in this industry. And uh, also reach out to us. Reach out to Clem. Reach out to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, really send us those stories if you feel like you've got an excellent thing or a particular craft you want to share, hit us up. We want to know about it. So um, with that, Clem, where can they, what's, what hashtags or whatever can they find you on, on Instagram? <laughs> oh, man, you, know, you can find me on Instagram all day. I'm under uh, um, Clemco.av. Um, I also have a personal one, Tuvac15, T-U-V-A-C-1-5, and Clemcoab is C-L-E-M-C-O, period, A-V. Um, and my hashtag, hashtag projection 101, you know, it's a lifestyle all day. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And tune in next time for the production show. Chatter. Chatter.